everyone, welcome back to the Murder Word Podcast. This is Civil Trials, a discussion show for the Murder Word Podcast. I am your host, Walter, and tonight I am joined by Corey. Uh, hey, what's going on? Yes, welcome back, Corey. And tonight we are discussing Gremlins. So if you haven't seen this movie, this is your spoiler warning. And if you have, I hope you enjoy our little show here. First and foremost, um, just wanted to say welcome back, Corey. It's been a while um, since you've done an episode. Um, I know... I still haven't released our Daredevil episode, but that was a couple months ago, I believe. But um, you did join us for Halloween, and um, yes, yes, mm-hmm. which is a funny episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of shit talking the entire time. It's so funny. Uh, before we dive into Gremlins, I do want to say for the audience out there, um, Happy Holidays from the Murderbird Podcast. This is pretty much us winding now on the end of the year this would mark the start of the end for us for season four mm-hmm. as we are getting into the final five episodes i try i try i tend to keep, like hype up these final five episodes just because it does feel like a season finale for me um one because we end up taking a really long break and um i know this this time with season five of the podcast being some sort of a retooling restructure reboot um this is definitely feel like it's going to be a a special time to be doing this movie so that's why we're going to start off with (laughs) a classic i don't know if this is considered a classic i guess it is but gremlins technically speaking it is considered a classic yeah definitely a holiday classic i don't know well, I don't know when's the last time they actually played this on TV, but it's considered a holiday classic. Yes, so we are we are going to be talking about Gremlins. One last thing, though. Um, we are going to do a little bit of reflection. This is very much a reflection period as we rethink and go about um, just how well we've done and how much we've done in season four of the podcast. Me, personally, I think this is the season we have expanded and grown the most in just because we've had a whole lot of new voices including yours Corey. um so mm-hmm. you know how does it feel to just be on this long-running podcast um or i should say your long-running amateur podcast mm, yeah pretty cool okay. um i think i talked to you about it personally when after a quarter one night but like i'm like i'm glad that you were you called me and got me to come on said podcast because like I'm having a great time. I'm glad I get to talk about some of the movies that kind of inspired me to do what I like, what I'm doing right now, pretty much, movie-wise. Absolutely, yes. Um, just for people who need a refresher, um, Corey officially joined with back in July, at the end of True Crime July, when we covered uh, Hollywoodland and the murder of George Reeves. Just because um, the association of Superman, and I know growing up you've been a very much a big Superman, Superman fan and a DC fan. And it was a fun way to shake it up. Um, and then, yeah, he's stuck with us for um, for a couple episodes now. And I just hope we, uh, to have you more in the future. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, uh, that's all I had planned for this intro. Um, going to be fairly short. Um, so we're going to go ahead and take our first break, and then I'll be back with some movie facts on Gremlins. They're like huge sea pods. This must be the way that putty in my closet was formed. Miles, where did they come from? Having fun? Fun. Pretty neat, huh? 
Hey, what is with you guys? How about shutting up for a change, okay? I already fed you. Twelve o'clock yet. All right. Keep an eye on him, kids. I'll be back in a second. Here we go. Hey, you guys are really hungry. Hey, Giz, you want some? You want some chicken? No? That's it, good buddy. Call it a night. So we're back, and here are some quick facts about Gremlins. It was released June 8th, 1984, directed by Joe Dante, written by Chris Columbus, who I know mostly from writing the first couple of uh, Harry Potter films. Uh, Gremlins mm-hmm. stars Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton, Polly Holiday, Francis Lee McCain, and Corey Feldman. And the plot goes as such. A gadget salesman is looking for a special gift for his son and finds one in a store in Chinatown. The shopkeeper is reluctant to sell him the mogwai, but sells it to him with the warning to never expose him to bright light, water, or defeat him after midnight. All this happens, and the result is a gang of gremlins that decide to tear up the town on Christmas Eve. The film's budget was $11 million, and the box office was... 212.9 212.9 million and just some bonus facts here steven spielberg is often associated with this movie but he's not the director or the writer he is the executive producer it does feel like a steven spielberg movie at heart though gotcha. and um probably the most interesting fact about this is that uh the film was a critical and commercial success but the film was heavily criticized for its more violent sequences 
similar to the reception of Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first Indiana Jones film. Uh, this resulted in Steven Spielberg going to the MPAA, which is the Motion Picture of America Association, or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. And uh, he suggested that they alter their rating system. And just two months later, after the film's release, the rating PG-13 was born, which is still a pretty shocking fact. I think that's a, that's like a that's a winning trivia question right there. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, we have uh, Gremlins does have one sequel from 1990, Gremlins The New Batch, which is considered a box office bomb. I don't remember the last time I saw I think I've seen it once, at least once, but I don't remember anything about it. Have you seen Gremlins The New Batch? See, yes, I think I, when I was younger, I because I remember like rewatching this movie, I remember I like was scared of Gremlins. Like when I was a kid, and I think I started watching the new batch, and then I like I couldn't get through it, and it wasn't because I was scared; it's because like I'm like this is just not me at all. This just was not my type of movie. <laughs> yeah, I I don't remember anything about it other than like there was just a whole lot of bunch of other versions of gremlins, like pop culture type of stuff. Um, you know, obviously mm-hmm. people know that the female gremlin. Which is um probably a, a would be like a cool statement nowadays. I don't know. <laughs> mm, it, it's just well, it kind of just made me feel like when I saw that, it just reminded me of the Smurfs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, this is kind of stupid, but whatever. <laughs> Look at all these Smurfs in this one lady Smurf. Exactly. Every other Smurf was a dude took Gargamel trying to make a Smurf and made Smurfette. I'm like, okay. This just seems like this is the same thing as Gremlins or, you know, vice versa. Definitely. It kind of also makes you want to, I don't know if you've ever seen these movies, but it kind of makes you want to think, like, maybe, what about Critters? Is the same thing apply there for Critters? <laughs> I mean, I guess, but like I said, Critters is more of like a, like again, I like, Gremlins is pushing it. Because, you know, I have, like, a fear of, like, and I know this is kind of stupid, but, like, for everyone in the, the for everyone that does not know, I have, I think I was talking about it on the podcast before, but I have a fear of dolls and puppets. <laughs> so, like, it was really bad when I was a kid, so Gremlins was pushing it. <laughs> so, I think when Critters came, when, uh, when I heard about Critters, I just could not watch Critters. I couldn't even, I couldn't even look at Critters. Yes, uh, I think I've only seen the first Critters, and it I didn't make any sense other than like it's just giant fur. Well, not even giant; they're just fur balls that from space that can, when they get together, they turn into a giant fur ball and roll around. But other than that, I know nothing. <laughs> I know yeah, that just sounds like a weird thing of Gremlins. Yeah, this sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah, Gremlins is definitely the better, the better ones. Um, I do know that Leonardo DiCaprio is in one of those Critters movies. Um, I think it was one of those movies is his, is considered his first movies because I know he was like a TV star back in the early, or I guess like a late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, double check. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can. But I'm, I, I want to say Critters three, but then again, it's like they made three of those. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of like. They made three Critters movies? I thought they only made one, but, like, of course, uh, I wouldn't know, because I was just, like, fucking terrified. Uh, yeah, it was number three, because he played Josh, because he came out in 1991. Mm. 
Again, winning trivia questions. <laughs> exactly. With that being said, we're gonna take our last break and then we're gonna go we're gonna end up talking about Gremlins. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Mom, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're gonna like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're gonna have to open it now. It won't wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. They become clever. Mischievous. What's going on here? And dangerous. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where do they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy. I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. Alright, so we're back. Here are... Oh, what am I doing? Okay, no. We're back. Let's talk about Gremlins, Corey. Um, like we always start the podcast. We're going to start the conversation off with our overall thoughts on the film. Corey, take it away. What is your overall thoughts on Gremlins? Um, my overall thought on Gremlins. Um, after we watched the movie, it kind of, like... It kind of made me feel like how I felt whenever we watched The Goonies. Like, it, it was a great movie, but, like, it didn't hold up to the standard I had it at when I was, like, a, when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, when you watch, like, when, like I said, I'm not saying those movies are bad. I'm just saying, like, they're just, like, not, they don't hit the same, man. I don't know. Yeah, I totally understand. It's, you just, um, yeah, we just got older. You know, you, you screaming kids just don't don't have the same excitement behind it when you're, you're committed to an hour and plus movie. And I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, that's true. And like, I think that's the problem with with Gremlins. Yeah, but then when it came to watching uh, not Gremlins, okay, with the Goonies, I don't know. Why I said Gremlins, <laughs> but when it came to watching Gremlins, right? It's like you're sitting there. And when you look at the from the perspective of the kid, the only thing that when you watch the movie, you're really like paying attention to the gremlins. But like watching the movie as an adult, you're paying attention to everybody else. And like with the adults, I'm like half of them, I wanted them to die. The other half, I'm like, okay, these guys are pretty cool. Like you got you got your one ver. I think you got the uh, what's her name, Miss Deagle. Yeah, Miss Deagle. Yeah. 
the weird cat lady that wanted to kill this kid's dog. I'm like, I want her to die. I want her to die. Because <laughs> she is, because uh, she was just, because, which I think that was like on purpose, of course, but I'm glad they made her character so hateable that I wanted her to physically get hurt. Of course, she did. <laughs> In the best At the end way of the day. possible. In the best way possible. And, um, but like for the science teacher, like, uh, I, I didn't want him to die, but you know, he definitely did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you remember he's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause he's such a throwaway character. It's not even funny. He was there to just to, to inch the plot three inches. And then they're like, we're going to kill this fucker right now. And then they killed him. Or the fact of, like, the whole story could have been prevented. Because I remember, because I was thinking about, because like, I, I remember when I, before I rewatched the movie, I had the story backwards. The shop owner didn't even sell, it, it, like, when I watched the movie again, the shop owner didn't even sell the guy, the fucking Mogwai. The kid did. Because he's like, we need the money, so I'm just going to go ahead and sell this shit. And my, so my, my parent probably doesn't have to know. That's a little shitty kid, bro. You just put the whole town at risk because you was like, well, I can use the money, though. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, my God. I can't even stand people no more. <laughs> little little kid was making deals. <laughs> mm, oh, yeah, no. Deals that should not have happened for sure, though. Yes. And just to kind of put things in the context, the movie starts off with not <laughs> with the, the main character's dad kind of narrating because... It's a Christmas movie, and I believe every Christmas movie has a narrator. Um, but he's in Chinatown looking for a gift, but he's also an inventor, so he's kind of just, I don't know, looking for inspiration or whatever. But he's just doing doing all type of stuff, and he ends up finding this shop, and he ends up finding, or this kid tells him he has the perfect gift, and they follow. He follows him to the his, uh, I'm guessing his grandfather, his grandfather's shop. And he ends up seeing the Mogwai there, and we get introduced to pretty much the main premise of the movie pretty pretty quickly. The main selling point, which back in the eighties mm. was a pretty successful selling point, very much um, again very Steven Spielberg. But even E. T. You know, the, if you look back at the poster and trailers for that back when it was coming out, uh, it's it was very hidden. E. T. was very hidden, and here. Um, I mean, here they don't waste too much time, but even the original poster for Gremlins, it was very much hidden. But right off the bat, we do get uh, the Mogwai, the Mogwai, the one that they have here. One of the weirdest looking, but cutest looking puppets ever created. Uh, We get Gizmo. Um, I just want to start here, Corey. What do you think? What do you think about the Mogwai as like a species, as like a creation and I guess we can go into what we think about Gizmo, but like, what what do you think about how they operated in this movie as its premise? I thought it's an interesting plot point. You know, you don't know anything about the Mogwai. Just what you know mostly about the Mogwai is that it's an ancient creature, and that you know you gotta and um this ancient like species, and that I like that. When they multiply, they, it's not just like the same Mogwai. It's a different Mogwai 
like, but a different spectrum of Magua. You know what I mean? Like, so, if, like, if you really look, like, if you look at the movie, and you look at the Magua, you have Gizmo, who was like a, I guess you could say like a, a ver- like an ADHD version of the, uh, of the actual Magua group. You know what I mean? The he likes music, gets easily distracted by complex and everything like that. And then you have your then when he multiplies, you get Stripe, who is the antagonist of the story, bad guy completely, who is just a mean fucking asshole. <laughs> and then you get others, you get other spectrums of like the feeling, uh, well, not the feeling, but like the of like the moods or like emotions type thing. Like you got the like more lazier one, you got the more hyperactive one, the smarter one, the sleepy ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just thought it was just an interesting premise to me, personally speaking. Yeah, like you just kind of like piggyback on what you were saying. The extra ones and the that kind of fell out this movie just kind of end up serving the same purpose. It's like the the extra hyenas in um in a Who Framed Roger Rabbit just kind of like just there for one little one premise jokes type of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I agree with you. They're they're fine. They're cute. They're they're. We get the one here, which um, I just think the Mogwai bring up a lot of questions for me as lo- <laughs> like in world questions. It's like I- I'm guessing these things are Chinese, but like where do they come from, <laughs> and how do they survive yeah. in the wild with all these rules? Are they magical? Are they natural? Are they supernatural? Like what <laughs> are the Ewoks? Are they just Ewoks that came to Earth? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what it seems like. They're Ewoks that came to Earth and did some. Just mutated, <laughs> like mutated Ewoks. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with the Mogwai, I think everyone knows this if you've seen this movie or even just in pop culture in general. But everyone knows this. Uh, Mogwai have three main rules that you gotta follow. Uh, not a lot of them make sense, though. <laughs> really, all of them don't make a lot of sense. But number one, we got no bright light, especially sun, because it'll kill him. Which kind of is the only one that really I can go with fully and. Like you know, suspend my disbelief because it's a nocturnal animal. We have nocturnal animals in real life. It, it could work. It can work. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but the second one, though, <laughs> don't don't get them wet. That causes mm-hmm. a lot of problems. <laughs> um, I know you mentioned this last time, but like, do how do they clean themselves? What? what <laughs> mm, yeah, honestly, so is it, there's just a putrid smell that comes from this fucking small ass uh, mammal, I should say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it smells like shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to figure out. Yeah, like, do they lick themselves? But if so, do they not have like saliva, or is it like specialized saliva? It's it's um an interesting thing, and even so, like, don't get them wet. Yet this movie takes place during Christmas, and there's snow everywhere and everywhere, dude, everywhere. Yeah, the snow turns into water when it melts. So either way, I feel like the events of this movie would happen at some point. <laughs> exactly. And then there's the last rule that kind of kicks off what the actual like quote-unquote antagonists of the movie are which is the titular gremlins themselves but you don't feed them after midnight or else they'll cocoon themselves and turn into these really mischievous green demons but again the question would be 
what time zone are we following and at what point is it after midnight <laughs> yeah although in this movie i do like the the twist or kind of like the 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 twist that we get there it's just that oh you know he they kind of mess with billy's clock and so that's how they're able to trick him into feeding them although the the chicken that he gives the chicken that he gives them was i was like is that is that cooked or he just give them raw chicken <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing, because when I saw that chicken, I'm like, okay, why does that look like it's a leftover plate, but not a leftover plate? Right, like, it was in the refrigerator, like, it was leftovers from dinner, yet he opened it, I'm like, I, did, they, did they not fry it? It doesn't, it doesn't look fried, it doesn't look baked, it doesn't even look smothered, like, what is what is this, like, just plate of meat? You just got a plate of meat? Like, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, I'm like, what the hell is this, man? <laughs> I'm like, I know, I know y'all not eating all this shit together. Like, they were all for it. Uh, yeah, they were. They, they like devoured that plate, and that boom, we get our alien eggs. I, I love the eggs. I, they're, they're horrifying looking, but again, they mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I would say the same thing about alien. It's just, I like the eggs. They're, they seem like fun little like desk toppers, or like if it was a lamp, it'd be really cool. I just would be really terrified of what would come out of it. <laughs> Same thing here. Again, little green demons. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then you got, you're scared of what the hell's going to come out of this. <laughs> and, like, not only are they, like, little green, like, demons with claws and teeth, but, like, they know how to use weapons <laughs> just automatically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, they're fast learners. I, you really find that out throughout the movie that they are very fast learners. Dude, like they they learn how to like you know we talked about this Deagle and how she dies, but like they like messed with her chair to the point where she goes flying out the window. Dude, that was like one of the funniest things I ever saw. I was like, I sat there. I was like, I was like, I was waiting for her to get her fucking come up. Like, I hate this bitch so much. Yeah. I was like, I really want. I want I want something bad to happen to her, which I which I shouldn't say, but you know, I did. Well, I mean, she did <laughs> she did threaten the dog, and you don't threaten the dog, bro. She threatened to kill the dog slowly. You feel me? Yes. It was like slowly. She said, "I will, I will, I want him. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna kill him slowly. I'll put him in my dryer." I'm like, oh, so this is just a straight up bitch. Like this isn't like a. You're a bitch, bitch. Okay. All yeah. right. That makes sense. Oh, man. Just just not even like a Scrooge. She's just a psycho, really. Yeah, she should have been put down like the family dog. I'm going to be real with you. Speaking of the dog, the dog is like one of the best parts of this movie. But like there's a moment that happened that had me so just like confused. <laughs> but <laughs> at some point, the little mogwise that sprout from gizmo they they, mm-hmm. they hung the dog outside in christmas lights at some point so it's like how strong are these things even pre-transformation how like how strong and fast are these things oh yeah 100 percent. my thing is like it wasn't a group effort or was it certainly your strike <laughs> he has all our strength <laughs> Exactly. That's just like this, like because the other ones just again they were followers, but they just didn't seem capable. Even if they, if 
uh, Strife wanted them to do it. They just did not seem capable of picking shit up and or doing what what needed to be done to like you know take out you know this mog these mogwai. Yeah, not mogwai, but the dog. But <laughs> it just seemed like because the way uh, fucking Stripe looked when uh, he uh, when what's his name uh, Billy walked outside because he heard his dog crying out there. He just looked like he was like. Hmm. Another mission accomplished. Let me go back to bed. Yeah, he's like warming the dog. How'd you get out there? I'm like, I'm pretty sure you already know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's a wild guess, and it's sitting right next to you, bud. Um, speaking of Ooh. Billy, we should talk about the human cast because there are humans in this movie. <laughs> yes, there are. First and foremost, Billy, our main character. Um. What do you think about Billy in this movie? Does he work for you as a main character? Um, yeah, he does. Honestly, yeah. Billy was very intuitive. He was very on his feet with a lot of the stuff. Like, now, he shouldn't have fucking put water on. Like, first of all, I don't feel like he should have taken it to the high school for the school teacher to figure out and all that other shit. That, like, I, I personally did not want him to do that. But, you know, um, c'est la vie, which I think that was just one of his dumb moments. And also the food was another one of his dumb moments. Regardless of how close it was, it was too close. I, would, I wouldn't have fed them fuckers. I would have just let them starve. Yeah. If that were the case. I guess he's just easily tricked, but still. <laughs> mm, but, but still, his, this man held his own, and I'm, I'm down for it. Like, this man, I swear... Rewatching this movie, he, when after he like realizes that shit's kind of getting fucked after he found the teacher dead in his classroom, yeah, he is like, uh, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? And then once he starts like figuring it out, and he starts like, I think the person I'm not gonna lie to you, like the only other person that was more intuitive than uh Billy was. Billy's mom. <laughs> yeah. Like, we have, um, you know, we have Billy's, I guess you can say, quote-unquote, girlfriend. Um, in the movie. Well, technically, she's not his girlfriend. But, you know, they're, they're yeah, going like to take. A, we know, we all, love interest. Yeah, the love interest in the movie. But, like, I got to say, Billy is, like, one of, the, one of the few characters in this movie that I could tolerate. <laughs> Yeah, I think Billy's a pretty unique character. Well, I won't say unique. There's not too much to him, but like he's pretty well thought out here. I know originally they were planning on making Billy more of a kid. Like he was supposed to be in like 16, I think, or maybe even younger than that. Um, much like how you know in the Lost Boys, the original concept of that, were, yeah. you know, for them to be kids. When they need due to certain casting and just how things went, they ended up aging them up. Same thing kind of happened here. I think they just liked this actor a lot, and so they ended up aging the character up. And uh, you're right. I think Billy and the mom are probably the best characters in this movie. One because they both kind of have more extended scenes. The dad just kind of the dad just kind of pops in, does some narration, and then he's <laughs> he's out of town for most of the movie, which begs the question of why did you go to a convention which is an optional thing like he went to go to an inventors convention on christmas eve 
I'm sorry. Aren't you going to be with your family, sir? <laughs> yeah, that. But you know what? I got to say this, too. And this is off, a little bit off topic, but did you see the Easter eggs in that fucking convention? I recognize the robot from the Forbidden Planet, but other than that, I don't think I caught anything else. So and I'm gonna. I was just gonna let you know this. So in the first, when the first time he started, he called the family, right? When he was actually there. Yeah. There was. So you remember the time machine? <laughs> the movie. Time. Oh, it's been a minute. So I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember. So the, in the movie, the time machine, right? There's a time machine, uh, made by the main character. Now, mind you, the time machine came out late nineties, early two thousands. Okay. That time machine is in Gremlins. Oh. 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 Yeah, and then so after he like so what happens is you see it in the background, and then they cut back to the, uh, when he's talking to his wife. Yeah. And then it cuts back to him, and then the time machine's gone. Conspiracy. I was like, uh, excuse you? All right, all right. So, so, I mean, it's not the same one from the time machine, but, like, it's a similar, It's it pays homage to it, because the one in the time machine looks a thousand percent different. But I'm pretty sure a move. There's another Time Machine movie that came out in like the 80s or something like that, or the 70s. But it was similar. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm a clock that so, too. That is the same Time Machine, no matter how different it looks. And we have time travelers confirmed. Exactly, and I'm like, dude, that is fucking. Hilarious. Oh, that's such a random yeah. movie to go to. It's like, what if you could travel back in time? Easy. Gremlins <laughs> pop it while they're shooting. Right. And that well that, that's the thing, is like so yeah, there's a movie that came out in the sixties called The Time Machine as well. And this is the one from the sixties movie. So it's like, oh, he just came forward in time because the main character in the time machine is from the 1800s. He builds a time machine to save his wife because she dies. And no matter how many times he goes back in time to try to save her, it never works out. He always can't save her, so he went forward in time. So that's funny that he would jump forward to 1984 and then then go to this pretty much symposium. Because, like, the time machine doesn't move. Like, it it can't move. It can't go to different places. It stays in the same place. Okay. No matter what. And so it stays in the same place in time and space, but everything else moves around it. So he went so if he that would be that's funny because he's just like, okay, he hopped forward in time. So wherever the time machine was built in the first place was where he was at like fucking three hundred years ago, two hundred years ago. Wow. So yeah, kinda like the I mean, I know it's a different time-traveling movie, but, like, kind of, like, my favorite, probably my favorite detail in Back to the Future were just the, how the the name of the, the town or the name of the mall kind of changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when he like, runs over the, when he runs over the one pine trees, because it was called Twin Pines, and it was called Lone Pine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, there's just I think there's like a lot of good detail, and also you know that town was this town from Back to the Future, right? This town in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like the same shooting town or the same like name? No, the same shooting town. Okay. Like the clock towers over there and everything else is different, but it's the same. Like if you rewatch the movie. Because, I mean, I know you... I mean, you know I'm a nerd about Back to the Future and Ghostbusters and stuff like that. Definitely. Um, you watch... Uh, you watch this... So, if you go back and actually look at the movie, when the movie starts and they're playing the Christmas song, look at the actual set. And you'll like, oh, that's Hill Valley. And then you keep looking at it. You look at all the buildings and I'm like, that's set up like Hill Valley. And then the movie theater's even in the same place as Hill Valley. All right, all right. Nice details yeah. there. I definitely need to go back then because um, I don't know. The, the this town looked very weird to me. Like it was caked in snow, and it's just the fact that like it's this clearly like a small town, maybe even a suburb, but we don't really we don't really know where it is. I don't remember them saying where it is. You know, uh, we assumed Chicago maybe because like. Just outside of town, there's a there's a, a, a ah, there's a Chinatown. <laughs> I don't know how many yeah. small towns have their own Chinatown. Well, that's the thing too. Is like I think um, I think it's supposed to be still that small town, like we were talking about, like a suburb of a bigger city or whatever. Yeah. But at the same point in time, they just use the same set from Back to the Future because Hill Valley was in California. Okay. So this is and it doesn't snow in California. It does not. That we, so then, like again, they just pre, I think they just reuse the set, just like they re, like I think they kind of reuse the eggs from Alien and all that other stuff. Which great way to uh, keep the cost down. <laughs> all right. Um. So yeah, we talked about Billy. Talked about the town. Let's get into some of these other characters here. Uh, one of my favorites. You know, we talked about the mom a little bit, but um, she gets a great scene in the kitchen where she's like battling the, the gremlins, and I love. I actually really like that scene because not only does it, you know, the, like we mentioned, the dad is an inventor, so all throughout the house there are these like inventions or failed in failed inventions that he has lying around and they don't work, and that's kind of the the running joke. But then when the mom is at home and she gets the call from Billy, like. They hatched, and there's like she's attacked by like six of these gremlins all at once in the kitchen. She takes them mm-hmm. all. She <laughs> takes most of them out with these like, you know, faulty appliances. Yeah, which is such a cool scene. And it's like, go, oh, mom. <laughs> oh, I was thinking to myself too. I had made a joke when I was like watching it. I'm like, she's blocking these plates in a way that Steve Rogers would be proud. Right. Over here, got a whole fucking TV tray and popping these plates back. <laughs> she just walks up and stabs one of them, turns on the blender for the other one, and then like puts the the third one in a microwave. Yeah. And then fuck, oh my dude, I was like, this woman got. I'm like, go ahead, mom. I'm like, fuck them up. Look at this shit. Man, my favorite part is just heard like smacking them into the the. The microwave and closing the door. <laughs> oh yeah, no, she's like sprayed him with like tick with like flea killer. Yeah, <laughs> in the face, and then it was just like, uh, and then just fucking shut the door. And... and then you have like Stripe and the others, and they're like, "Well, we're just gonna leave now." <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I think Stripe left. 
I think Stripe was the last one. Yeah, Stripe. Everyone else died in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, because then Stripe has to, like, go into a pool, which, where'd you find an open pool in the middle of winter? I guess it was an indoor pool, but, like... He, it was at the YMCA. <laughs> fucking YMCA, man. <laughs> he goes to a pool, and right when Billy of them gets there, he jumps on in, and poop pops out more. Like, thousands more. That's the craziest part, bro. Yeah, that... that that entire scene is like if there's anything there's a few scary shots in this in this movie but any sequence uh, i would legit say scary is though it is goofy but when stripe jumps into the pool and then pops out the other it's just like oh that's kind of that's kind of scary like that's kind of like right then and there whoever's going up against them should like immediately fall into depression (laughs) exactly just like well i'm just gonna die now it's fine (laughs) <laughs> I've come to terms with it. It's okay. But um, and speaking of characters, man, um, Eddie, every Eddie's movie has to have this one character. It's that care, and it's uh, it's the 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 neighbors, the Fullermans. Oh yeah, the 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 racist car guy. Like he's racist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Fucking foreigners, dude. Every chance he got, blame it on something other foreigners. Like, yeah, but you said this wouldn't happen if you bought a fucking American American car. I'm like, no, it would have because they're just as shitty as fucking Japanese cars sometimes. Man, oh man, I just knew it was just every time he showed up, my eyebrow just raised. I was like, why is he so mean against these like foreign cars? And I realized the joke, and I was like, oh wow, it was the '80s. <laughs> Dude, I rolled my eyes so hard every time when he came on the screen because I already knew he was gonna be like if if it was a different if it was a Toshiba if it was a fucking if it was a goddamn Windows thingy, bro, he would have been like he just said fucking foreigners and the goddamn fucking cars putting fucking foreign parts in my in my plow. It used to be all American and shit. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Man, you got this old busted ass fucking plow from 1963, and you can't find parts for it anymore because they don't make parts for it probably because they fucking they update their fucking parts system. You goddamn weirdo, just leave it alone. Get fucking something else. Right, like he was just going off every chance he got. Although I do like what they did with his character a little bit. Um. It's through him we get the concept of gremlins, and it goes back to like the real life story or the real life like a uh, nursery rhyme or myth or whatever you want to call it. Legend and myth, yeah. Yeah, but basically, for people out there who don't know, um, gremlins are a thing. They came from World War Two. Um, yes. So within this movie, Mister Futterman, in between his ramblings about foreign cars, he talks about how he was in the war and or would he have been in the war i guess i guess he could have well yeah no technically speaking he was like 50 something years old in that movie the guy was 50 or 40 something years old so world war ii happened in the 40s this is 1984 so he probably was like 18 early like late teens early 20s when the world war ii happened so he was he was in the war gotcha and so basically the i i'm paraphrasing i don't remember the exact story but basically that gremlins would be the cause of some of the machinery the heavy machinery going down in um wherever part of the war they were at i don't know if it benefited the american or the the yeah, the american side or you know the the quote unquote right side or as a, well 
as he was saying, it was coming from our enemies okay. and affecting the allies, and that he was like, oh, they would put him in the cars, put him in the fucking, in the put tanks. him in the tanks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like we were saying, it is a real life, like, you know, urban legend story, story about, you know, them just, <laughs> it was just a way for them to, I guess, entertain themselves, or give a reason to why <clears throat> stuff would just break down at the most inopportune moment. And it's just because gremlins are attacking. And I like how, you know, again, not a Steven Spielberg movie. And I don't, I'm not too familiar with Joe Dante. I mean, I probably am. And I'm just not piecing it together. Him as a director, but like clearly inspired by um, Spielberg and Spielberg being a Jewish man who has put that into all of his work. Um, you you get the correlation of that in World War Two, um, exactly, and and that's and and it's there was that like subtle undertone about it though, because like I remember other people were talking about foreigners taking jobs and stuff like that. I'm like, God, okay, guys. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to look at Joe Dante's uh filmography real quick. He. He did direct some other stuff. Uh, huh, he directed a he directed a Legend of Tomorrow episode. <laughs> mm. Didn't know that. Uh, did he? Did he didn't know that. Looney Tunes back in action. Small. Yeah, I didn't know that. I did not know that at all. I love Looney Tunes back in action. Actually, I've been trying to get a reason to put it on the podcast because technically it is a mystery movie. Like it is a murder mystery. Um, wrapped in a spy thriller, so I'll expect that to be on the show at some point, <laughs> people. Turns out he did The Howling, which will definitely be coming up soon on the podcast. Uh, <clears throat> thanks to Roderick. Uh, the original Piranha, so he says here he directed Gremlins uh, Twilight Zone, the movie. <laughs> <A couple laughs> he did the mo- Twilight Zone, the movie? It says here he did the TV show, and I think I saw the movie. Oh, no. oh, just a couple episodes of the TV show. Never mind. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, he's still directing though. He did Legend of Tomorrow, MacGyver, the recent one that's on now. Um, mm. CSI NYC back in '07. Uh, he's he stayed busy. Okay. He did direct the new batch. He did direct the Burbs. I know you mentioned that movie before. That movie was actually pretty good. I feel like that's a movie you should cover on the the podcast because it is a murder mystery. Oh yeah, I've never seen it, so give me a reason to watch it. Yeah, give me a reason. Yeah. To, uh, Explorers, the Goonies spinoff, or not spinoff, but you know, um, what do you call it? I don't want to be mean and be like knockoff, but essentially the Goonies knockoff. It's, it is a knockoff. Just call it what it is. I mean, there's a knockoff, and then there's Monster Squad, and I think there's a queer difference. <laughs> hey, 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 hey now, hey now, hey now, <laughs> hey now, hey now. You got a little too much dip on your chip now. Monster Squad is not is not bad. That is an okay movie. It is definitely an okay movie. I guess Monster Squad gets brought up and compared to with Lost Boys a lot. Because um, I remember, I've only seen it once, but I've, I remember it being okay. I just remember it being very confusing with Monster Squad. Honestly, felt a lot like Gremlins. <laughs> rather than it, I, technically speaking, it kind of was. So it's, like, it's, it's about a group of kids fighting off like classic horror movie monsters like Dracula and shit like that. Yeah, it's like if Gremlins had more people in it. <laughs> exactly. 
Oh yeah, but you know, shout out to Joe Dante. He's still working. He's doing a lot of TV stuff right now. But, um, he says he's got some more stuff coming up. So you know, do your thing, mm-hmm. dude. Back into this movie. Uh, speaking of all those '80s movies we referenced that um, have child stars in them, I want to give a spotlight to possibly the greatest child star ever. But Corey Feldman's in this movie. Good old mm-hmm. Pete. He plays Pete. I like to call him Pete the Tree because every every scene he's in, he's strapped to a tree at some <laughs> to a Christmas tree. Oh, he's disguised as a Christmas tree or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. He like brings. Billy and his family, their Christmas tree, which I'm like, do they, they had like little boys just delivering Christmas trees to people. <laughs> it was the eighties. Of course they had little boys delivering Christmas trees. But yeah, um, we didn't really touch on it yet, but like, we don't really, there's not really a specified a call out to what age Billy is. Like I said, he, I know he was originally supposed to be younger, but here they make it, he has like, he works at the He's- bank. <laughs> 23. I think he said they said he was 21. They said 20. No, they said he was like 22, 23 years old because uh, Gerald, his rival, or the fucking dickhead at his job, is the same age as him. Which Gerald played by, or I know the actor um, because he was in one of my favorites, uh, Fast Times at Redmond. Times at Redmond. Hi. Yes, he's the guy that gets caught masturbating. <laughs> oh, he's also in Beverly Hills Cop, too. Oh, yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. That guy just pops up every now, or you know, I guess he it was the '80s, so he would just pop up in all those classic '80s movies. But yeah. he wasn't a lot of like classic '80s movies, like Bridge My High, Beverly uh, Hills Cop. He was in. I want to say he uh, was in, or maybe I'm confusing him, but I want to say he's also in Chopping Mall. Which... No, I don't think Judge Ryan Hall was in Chopping Mall. I want to look it up now. No, I don't think Judge Ryan. No, Judge Ryan Hall was not in. Chopping Mall, but he was in uh, Vice Versa, which is uh, I guess a classic 80s movie with uh, Fred Savage? <laughs> not Fred Savage. No. Yeah, Fred Savage. You're right, by the way. I don't think he's not in Chopping Mall, but dang, I could have sworn he was. Also in Beethoven as well. Oof. Those never-ending movies. Um. Okay, but back yeah. to good old Corey Feldman here. What do you think about Pete? What do you think about uh, Pete, and then we'll continue with our thoughts on Corey Feldman as a young child star. Uh, Pete was cool. You know what I'm saying? He really didn't have a big role in this. Like, normally when they have Corey Feldman in a role, he has this big talkative, loudmouth role, but he really wasn't in this movie. He's, he's very, like, small in this movie. Yeah, he's tiny. Like, I know he's like, I mean, he's still kind of a short guy, but I know mm-hmm. as he got older, he, especially in his teen years, they made him look taller. I guess he was just really skinny, though. But Oh, I didn't mean physically. I meant like li- like his role literally in there was oh, so small. Yeah. He's only in like, what, four scenes? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was like, well, yeah, definitely he's short, but like, no. Like, I mean, his role was just extremely small because like, you don't. He's like I said. He's more of a big talkative. Like if you look at Goonies, he's he's mouth. If you look at Lost Boys, he just talked a lot and did a lot of actions. You saw License to Drive. He was the yeah. he was the wild one and everything like that. So he has like he's he's mostly known for these big roles, but you just don't see him in these. You just didn't see him in that. 
which yeah, which like all of my favorites, which is why I wanted to be like, which was why I was saying like he's probably the greatest like child star ever. Like him, I know him and Corey Haim were like inseparable at some point. They were known as the Corys, but I don't. I'm I don't know. When I look back, <laughs> I'm not even from the '80s. When I when I watched those movies, I would say like Corey Feldman was the fun one. Like he was like you were saying the fast talking mischievous one and then whenever Corey Haim was on screen he was more the dramatic one like I know Lucas was very this Lucas the football movie is very dramatic in that he's very mm-hmm. they're both over the top in Lost Boys but like Corey Haim is specifically very over the top while while um like I know they said uh Corey Feldman's voice was changing so he had to like he had to really put on an act when he was in Lost Boys, which is why his voice is so deep or forced to be deeper because he didn't want to crack while Corey Haim was just up and down that entire movie. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, Corey, Corey Feldman is very tiny in this movie, both both physically and in role. Um, Man, what it came out first? Because I know he's also in one of my favorites, uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. But I want to know yeah. which one came out first. Gremlins came out in 84. I got you. Give me one second. I have Corey Feldman pulled up right now, actually. So, Friday the 13th came out in 1984, and then Gremlins came out also in 1984. So, let's see what de- what year, what, what the time frame was. So, it might have been literally right after each other. Gremlins came out in June. and so This came out in April. So he This came out in April. This This... Friday the 13th came out in April, or? Yeah, Friday the 13th came out in April. Gremlins came out in June, so it's like... Uh, so he would have filmed Friday first. Yeah. Because they filmed those that, years... They filmed those a year apart, and back then, yeah. movies were done a lot, or they would film a lot long. Well, I guess it would depend on the movie. I know nowadays it takes about two years to get a movie completed. The Principles Photography is about a month, about six months to a year. Um back then it would probably take them about a year to film and then a, uh some extra some months to edit and then get it out so he would have mm-hmm. either way he would have filmed the friday first and then would have went straight from friday to gremlins and again he his parts were so small so easy you know yeah. um yeah either way he's still good i know i one last thing i want to say is that whenever Corey feldman even especially back in those times he's never given a bad performance in my eyes like i know he's he has uh, most child stars though have the tendency to be annoying after a while especially in their earlier works or as they got older but he he's either it's always either or never really both but um i think he's out of all the ones we named he never gives a bad performance even in this movie he's like really entertaining like he steals kind of like the spotlight a bit for the for as little he's in there yeah he does a little piece of tree although he does he is the one to pour the like you said you know billy was the one that had the the full glass of water on the desk knowing <laughs> he doesn't need to have water anywhere near the mogwai but it is pete that accidentally spills it on gizmo and Gizmo gives the most painful writhing, like just yeah. That was horrifying to watch, dude. I was like, this, like, oh my god, it's like you hear him like crying out, and then you see it. You're like, oh my god, dude, this is this should have been this should have looked like that. This should have been like that. Yeah, that is nightmare inducing, and it made my little heart break because like him just like on his stomach writhing and 
bubbling and pop out these puff balls. I'm like, oh, don't make it stop. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, let's see here. This movie is pretty straightforward. There's not too much. And it's actually a pretty short movie compared to what we usually do on the podcast. So there's that. And, I, you know, most Christmas, most Christmas movies or Christmas-centered movies are very long, in my opinion. Like, they, they really try to milk it. But here's a pretty efficient movie. From there, the Mogwai turn into Gremlins, and the Gremlins attack for about an uh for the rest of the runtime, which is almost about what forty forty five minutes of them doing these scenes, and Billy goes back and forth, um, trying to kill them and get rid of them, and in between that, we just get interspersed scenes of them rampaging the town and killing. Um, but there's a subplot in this movie. There's two subplots that we brought up. One of them we brought up earlier, and then the other one I want to bring up now, but you did bring up the teacher. The teacher doesn't really do much other than, like, give weird exposition, maybe? I don't know. It wasn't even exposition. Like, basically, no, definitely it was exposition. He was just telling us, oh, this is, uh, this is a different type of species, but no. Yeah, he just, like, you know, they take one of the mogwai that um, Gizmo popped out and they put him in a cage and give him to the the, the local science teacher because every local science teacher at your local high school can do almost any kind of science you need. <laughs> right, exactly. And he just like like all right, here are the things we're not supposed to do. Let me experiment, and then he creates more. Which I, I don't even they don't really go anywhere with that other than that he dies and. There's just more gremlins out there, but they end up getting rid of them. So, and again, like we mentioned, Spike jumps into not Spike, but uh, Stripe just jumps into a giant pool. So why did we need the extra gremlins? Mm-hmm. I, you know, they weren't even. And then again, they all blow up in a movie theater. So I gotta say too, like in personal speak, there's a lot of wasted exposition in this story. Just like, uh, oh god, like when we're talking about, I think. With, uh, what's your name? Phoebe Cage character. Kate? Yeah, Kate. That's so fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, um, with the, when they were talking about her dad, right? Her yeah. dad dying. Yeah. They're just like, they kind of speed past it. Like, there's no, like, when she talked about it, there was no flashback. There was no, like, it didn't sound like she was like, it's, she's just, she kind of said it coldly. And then it just, like, it, it was weird. It was just weird, man. Yeah. It's got to be the weirdest, most awkward monologue ever in context. And I have like a, a slight story here, but like, I don't even, but like, you know, um, so my senior year of high school, I was in a, another theater class and my theater teacher was teaching us about auditions and audition monologues. And so she had us like sit down in the class, took role and everything. And then I just kind of like just sit quietly as she walked out and then walked back in having changed and, you know, basically was showing us how to do a a theater, uh, a theater audition. And so she went into her monologue and I was like, why does this monologue sound so familiar to me? And like, I'm looking around because no one's no no one's really reacting uh, to me. People are reacting to her. But I'm like, I know I've heard this monologue, but, you know. I never got the chance to like ask her where she got it from. She never told us where she got it from. She just kind of went into the lesson within within that, and I was like, I don't know. And I just, you know, me being you know eighteen, seventeen, eighteen at that time, I just got distracted, so I probably just didn't know. Um, but then, you know, I first watched 
Gremlins back in 2017. And it made me realize, oh, the monologue my theater teacher was doing was the, was the monologue from Gremlins about how the her dad, her family loved Christmas so much and that her dad wanted to give her such a big, good Christmas that he dressed up as Santa Claus and then got stuck in the chimney, broke his neck and died. And that And that blew my mind. So my thing is like, I think it's okay if I tell the people the uh, the, the people that listen to this podcast about this real quick. Yeah, sure. So me and Walter recorded this episode two days before we're doing this right now, and we had a little technical issues, and we were talking about this whole fact that her dad literally was like, "I'm going to pretend like I'm Santa Claus and climb down the chimney." And I'm like, my first thing is like, first of all, I'm no, regardless if my kids are not, I'm not climbing down a fucking chimney. Right. I'm pretty much potentially breaking my neck, like he did. But my thing is, just it just didn't make sense to me. Like, there, I guess like he was doing it just to keep the truth. Like, you know, Santa Claus comes down the chimney, all that shit. But I'm like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I'm sorry, that's just not me. Yeah, he had to have been drinking or something, but like, why? <laughs> just like, why? You you own this house. Just walk through the front. They're asleep anyway. It's not like they're gonna be looking for you. They're they're asleep. <laughs> why did he go through the chimney? And then just like the, like you were saying, just the way she like told it to him, like in the middle of all this chaos, she's because like they set it up at the beginning because she's like, I hate Christmas or I don't like Christmas time. It makes everybody depressed and people open their wrists and I'm like, okay, well that's a Debbie Downer. Like, thing. damn, bitch. I think when I she said that, I was like, damn, bitch, would you what? What the hell is wrong with you? Right. Oh my god. She just does not like like Christmas at all, and we find out why because we find out that Miss Deagle, like you said earlier, um, she doesn't go out the window. And it turns out she's her grandmother, and so she loses another family member. <laughs> Wait, what? On Christmas Eve. But yeah, her, yeah. <laughs> wait, no, wait, no. You said that that's her grandmother? Yeah, Miss Deagle is supposed to, or Mrs. Deagle is supposed to be her grandmother, I think. Yeah. No way. I did not know. I didn't, I think I missed that piece of exposition. Is that, uh, what the fuck, really? Yeah, because right before she gives that horrible, traumatic story, she's like, my grandmother's not answering the phone. And is I think they even said it earlier on that yeah, Miss Deagle was her grandmother, which is just like wow, Billy is not tapping that anytime soon. No, he is. He she has daddy issues. She he's he's gonna tap that real soon. <laughs> just Sorry, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. That was weird. Yeah, I'll probably cut that. But like, I'll probably just wait till New Year's. Not not Christmas. No. Though. Don't cut it. Leave it in there. Just uh, leave the apology. I mean, it's true. Yeah, a lot, a lot of girls out here got daddy issues. And, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes that leads to other stuff. I'm just saying. I'm not saying it's always true. It's definitely true for her because yeah, for her, she hates Christmas. She lost her dad. Hates Santa Claus. And lost her grandmother to really tiny. Uh, Man, her her grandmother's a 
Her her fucking grandma was a bitch, anyways, man. She was threatening to kill a dog <laughs> and throw it in a dryer for no reason. I don't for no reason. And he not. She said her dog knocked over a fucking snowman. I'm like, bitch, whatever. Get frosty and some super blue and call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, more snow, which is just a readily right around. Oh, uh, it was a it was a fake snowman. It wasn't a real one. Oh, it was a fake. It was, when they yeah, it's a sorry one. Yeah. Build an actual snowman, then. What are you doing? There's there's all this snow everywhere. <laughs> no, she's too she's too bitter, bro. That's why she's too bitter to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So right before we get to the like final battle, which between Billy Stripe Gizmo and I guess Kate, she's there too. Um, and uh, any other gremlins in this department store. Uh. Yeah, we talked about how what the other gremlins were up to. So yeah, Stripe ends up escaping to this like a uh, department store, which it's an '80s movie. We always got to have a department store fight somewhere. Jingle all the way. I think of Child's Play, which is began at a department store. Um, mm-hmm. Just tons and tons of department store stuff. Uh, this final battle is awesome though, because like throughout the movie. Gizmo has been like, or really throughout one of the motifs of this movie is that everybody's been kind of watching like old timey movies and old timey te- television shows. A lot of them being Christmas related. This movie itself is very, um, very much inspired by It's a Wonderful Life, that classic Christmas classic or classic film in general. And so Gizmo yeah. is seen watching and absorbing a lot of these different scenes of people in these classic movies. And so he ends up using it to help fight against Stripe at the end, especially using the, uh, the car, the, the Barbie car, and then it explodes. <laughs> I was like, why did it explode like that? First of all, it's a battery. I like, they just did that for effect. And it's so fucking stupid. Hold on, say it again. You're a bit muffled. Oh, sorry. I was like, I'm mad they like did this whole big action movie explosion for this little ass Barbie car. But I'm like, it's it was funny, but I was like, yeah, I can't believe they did that shit. Yes, I was living for it. I was like, yes, go Gizmo. <laughs> oh my god, dude! <laughs> had this epic explosion. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Um, but yes, yeah, so we do see Stripe as he like first. He, I like Stripe's evolution. He just first he's on a skateboard, then he's on like a scooter, and then he gets a chainsaw. <laughs> Dude, that threw me for a loop. I was like, where the fuck did he get a chainsaw from? But I forgot this was a department store, and they have chainsaw. Man, oh man, I love Stripe with a chainsaw <laughs> going up against Billy, and then he's like really struggling against this gremlin, which again begs the question: How strong are these things? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, he was like, my thing is, what I'm surprised is how resilient that fucking baseball bat was. Right. <laughs> I'm like, that should have been cut through, like, cut in half, like, like five minutes ago. Like, he over here, like, blocking a chainsaw. You know, like, if he had a metal bat, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. But he's literally sitting here with a goddamn wooden baseball bat and is blocking a chainsaw saw. But that should have, that should have 100% like cut through already right it's giving very much texas chainsaw 3d <laughs> yeah 100 we're just gonna take that 
five to ten minutes before it actually cuts through anything. Yeah. Well, cause like, I, I guess, but then if that's the case, and say it was just like a regular bat, and he was like cutting through with the chainsaw, that means... Sure. That means that the gremlins are extremely weak, but then that just counteracts the fact that he just hung up a dog right. twice his size <laughs> to a fucking wall. It's confusing. But either way, like we said, this is a fun scene of them. You know, Kate's in the back flipping switches or for some reason or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Kate does not do it. Not really. She, uh, she, all she does is really serve the fucking Gremlins drinks and then escapes and then that's pretty much it. Definitely. <laughs> Fucking like I said, Billy's the one that blew up the goddamn movie theater in the first place. Right. Um, I do. Okay, before we kind of start to conclude here, I did. I did remember my thought. Um, this movie, Corey. This movie, uh, again, it's dealing with Christmas. So with Christmas comes the cliched and blatant themes of of. Uh, capitalism and that all that jazz you know the true meaning of christmas and all that but what i think mm-hmm. what stands out the most especially rewatching it for this podcast was really just this is a simple movie with the theme of responsibility this movie is about billy and to a certain extent his dad learning responsibility especially around christmas and, and the mom is just there to left you know fight for her life but i do like the fact that it is kind of that classic Spielbergian responsibility type of thing. You know, I would equate it to the same exact story being this the same movie and the story of the movie being Transformers, just, you know, aside from little Chinese, you know, mythical creatures, we got, you know, robots from space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like it though. I, and I think, it's it works well here with Billy learning, or you know he learns responsibility. But even after learning responsibility, the you know the old man and his son comes back to get Gizmo, and he says, "Well, you know you may have learned it, but you're still not ready yet. So let us know when you're ready, because these things are a handful." Yeah. But what did you think? What did you latch on to that theme, or what do you have anything to add to that? No, I mean I could I agree. Like eh, I feel like he should like Billy's Billy was fine, right? Billy was perfectly fine taking care of Gizmo because he didn't do anything. He well, oh, that's not true. He he yeah. fed the fucking. I don't know. He was but, tricked though. He was tricked. Yeah, he was tricked regardless. He he still fed them super close to fucking midnight, and he should not have done that. But you know. <laughs> That's just me, and I will let it go. I won't do it. I won't talk about it. It's fine. It's fine. But Billy, I feel like was uh, he was more one of the more responsible characters, and I'm like, okay, I will give him that sincerely. He was more responsible than uh, everybody else in this fucking movie. God, pretty much. Um, so like the final blow in this movie make really kind of made me laugh a bit. Um, it is just Billy and Gizmo opening up the blinds on Stripe as he's like crawling after them after, um, what, almost burning and he like melts. And the moment that happened, I just, again, I'm thinking of different movies, but like 
the moment where they open the blind, I just think of Scooby Doo, the movie where they're, you know, Velma. And oh, Gremlins. with the demons? Yes. <sighs> Which kind of, they all kind of like the evolution of Gremlins, but like, you know, how she opens the blinds on quote, what she thinks is Daphne, you know, possessed Daphne. And the line that I thought about when they opened the blinds was just Velma being like, you can use a little sunlight, opens blinds and burns. <laughs> Well, just open the goddamn door, dude. Just stop, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Just open the fucking thing, man. Yes. But yes. That's how I felt about it. Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, Stripe does end up dying finally after a, a really long and dramatic death. He, like, he, like, melts and then, he, like, his muscles melt and then, then we're down to the bones. <laughs> but Stripe is dead and, like we said, the old man ends up tracking them down and coming and collect Gizmo and Gizmo gets a little cute by Billy, and then that kind of ends the movie. Kind of a haunting ending, though, because the dad's narrating at the end there, too, about how, you know, look under your beds, check your closets. You never know. There may be gremlins under there. It's like, oh, well, that's kind of scary. Yeah, that's a mm, horrifying image to think about. Thank you. Right. Just because we like, we're I'm like, but I kind of looked at him like, you know what? I'm not gonna listen to this fucker. I'm the one that fucking stole a, a ancient animal and gave it to my son, and then just. But um, that was the one that Yeah, no, you're good. Uh, so anything else you wanted to add about Gremlins that we haven't brought up? Mm, no, like I said, I I'm pretty much like I said, I thought it was pretty cool all the series they had in there. I'm pretty sure we missed a couple more, but. I like the Easter eggs they had and all that other good stuff. All right. So with that being said, Corey, do you recommend Gremlins? I recommend it for someone. You should watch it once and make your own opinion about it. Like I don't. Gremlins is a type of movie that I know I'll probably watch, but I have to be in a certain mood to watch them. All right. All right. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a. It's like a slight recommend for me. It's a. I would call it just, you know, your average recommend. It's a very classic movie in its own right. It's very average for me, though. It's, you know, it's one of those movies you would put on in the background as you're, like, putting up a Christmas tree or, you know, making food. Or, you know, it's one of those background kind of movies. But it's one of those where, like, every now and then you'll look up and then you'll, 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 you'll sit for, like, ten minutes to watch a scene or a sequence and then get back to doing what you're doing. Um, I had totally exactly. Yeah, I totally understand why it was so popular. It's, it's got a great premise. It's got a great thing going for it with the puppets and everything. The, the Mogwai are cute. So yeah, it's a recommend for me. Um, great way to start off the holidays. Great way to start off Christmas. Um, I guess that's a personal opinion because I don't. I, like I said, I didn't think they were cute. I thought like. Actually, no, that's not true. I thought Gizmo, like, when they first started, they're like, it was really cute. And I'm like, I would want it as a pet, like a Pokemon, but, like, at the same time, I kind of fucking know. I'm cool. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, like we uh, said last time, the, the best thing for Mogwai is just Pokeballs, because it would protect them from all those rules. It's a really, it's a good, like, gremlin hack if you just had a Pokeball. Exactly. Um, ooh, I got, I gotta ask though, uh, Gremlins or Halloween Kills? 
Gremlins every fucking day. Uh, <laughs> that's not even a question, man. I would never watch Halloween Kills again because that was the worst fucking movie I've ever seen in my entire Ah, so close. <laughs> yeah, no, what do you mean so close? Did you? I mean, cause I forgot. Did you like Halloween? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, go listen to that episode. I'm pretty sure I was the only one that really recommended it out of all of us. But I like Halloween. Yeah, no, I 100 percent didn't. I was like, fuck this movie. This movie was a waste of my goddamn time. I didn't. But not Gremlins. Gremlins is worth the time. Yeah, Girl is a scout. Like I said, it's worth more of my time than fucking Halloween does. Sorry. Sorry to all, all those Halloween fans out there. And if you enjoyed it, I just personally didn't like it. That's how it was. No, I'm pretty sure about 50 to 60% of the fan base will agree with you on Halloween kills. Yeah. <laughs> maybe more yeah. than what I'm counting. <laughs> he said maybe a lot more than what I'm saying. All right. Uh, Corey. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Thank you for kicking off the end of season four with us diving into the holidays, dude. Of course. That's what I'm here for. Yes, and thank you all for listening. Like I said, this is kind of the start of the us winding. Uh, this is kind of the start of us winding down this season, and then we'll be off the air for a while. Um, but so we're going to enjoy it while we can. Um, what we got coming up is pretty exciting. Uh, this year for season four, we started off with, you know, traditional murder mysteries and, you know, dive into things like, uh, murder on the murder on the Orient Express and, uh, clue and death on the Nile when that came out. And even to us, you know, if you want to stretch it that far, we, you know, with the release of scream 2022 coming out. We were really headfirst into just natural, uh, classic, uh, simple murder mysteries. So what better way to end season four than how we began with more complicated murder mysteries, more unorthodox murder mysteries is what I'm calling it. But, you know, I love a, a symmetry. I love a good full circle moment. So what we got coming up is, number one, we will have, I will finally get our Daredevil episode out there, Corey probably be out before this episode um before so by the time people are listening to this you could you'll hear what we had to say about daredevil 2003 and then um after that we will start releasing the end episodes for uh the end episodes for december we have coming up blue velvet one of my favorite movies of all time um it is such a wild movie it's been teased on this podcast a lot given people certain reactions to it but um it's our first time diving into david lynch um it is a confusing movie <laughs> but uh definitely yeah. an unorthodox murder mystery um and then after that we will be covering our second quentin tarantino film again one of my favorites uh probably my favorite tarantino film uh the hateful eight which is his take on a western murder mystery and a tavern got some ties to john carpenter's the thing uh, can't wait to talk about that one. Can't wait to find out who's joining that episode because it's going to be crazy. Um, and then after that, we're going to be really spotlighting um, a certain director um, to end the ser- the end season four. We're going to be spotlighting Ryan Johnson. Um, don't know if you know this, Corey, but Ryan Johnson does have an earlier movie, which is a murder mystery, kind of a noir take uh, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Megan Good. 
and a few other people, but those are just people I can remember at this moment. Um, but it's called Brick. I first saw it around the time The Last Jedi was about to come out. Thus, which made me heard about Brick. Yeah, I've heard about it. I never got a chance to actually see it though. Yet, so. Oh, yeah, so you should probably come back for that one. Um, I loved it. I saw. It. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it. It was on Netflix or something like that. Yeah, it was on Netflix before. It was either Netflix or Amazon, but it was on Netflix before. Um, The Last Jedi came out, and so it's what really made me like really get interested into Ryan Johnson, and then. People know how I feel about The Last Jedi. It's still my favorite Star Wars movie, but we'll we'll dive more into those controversial thoughts when we get closer to those episodes. And then after that, we will be ending Season 4 of the Murderboard Podcast. And the last episodes of Civil Trials will be Knives Out and then Glass Onion, Knives Out, a or Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. Which yes. Which I'm for. I'm ex- I'm really excited for. It. I love Knives Out. It's my like number one like Thanksgiving movie every year mm. since it came out. I I tend to watch it on Thanksgiving. Um, and then this new movie, it's been out in theaters for a little bit. I think it was out in theaters for like a week or so during this year's Thanksgiving, but it'll be out towards the end of December on Netflix. And mm. uh, I'm excited. A lot of good things about this sequel, like a lot of good reviews out there and people are really people are are tight-lipped which has me thinking it's going to be a different kind of mystery but um mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited for it. Other than that, um we do have our subscription episodes that are starting to launch. Um I have a few episodes out there but by the time uh I want to say by the time we get to Blue Velvet and Hateful Eight by the time those episodes come out, we will have the Daredevil series out for subscription. And then Final Destination will probably be out towards uh, with the later half, probably around the time Knives Out is recorded and out there for you guys to listen to. So keep an eye out if you want to you know, join the monthly subscription. And if you don't know what those are, uh, the monthly subscription episodes are something we're doing new here. If you enjoy what we do here on the Murderboard podcast and our unique conversations on movies, then you're going to love the introduction of our monthly subscription episodes for just four ninety nine a month. You can listen to our upcoming exclusive episodes and bonus movie reviews. This would include our past ones such as American horror story from season one through nine, uh, Stephen King and the chilling adventures of Sabrina. And then, like I mentioned, we have future ones being the daredevil series final destination and then going into next year when we have plan is where we talk about anime and a few others coming up in season five um so yeah check those out in the show notes the link is all down there or even in our bio and our respective social media sites subscribe and um hear what we have to say uh i think these subscription episodes are going to be fairly important because um i kind of teased this earlier but it'll be the um, this year or this season will be the last time we have civil trial episodes or like movie review, TV review, soul episodes. The structure of the podcast will be changing. So if you, but we will retain uh, some of the civil trials structure with these subscription episodes, especially in the future. So if you want to hear that, consider subscribing, you know, $5 a month. Should be good. All right, I won't hold you any longer. Uh, Corey, once again, thanks 
great having you. Can't wait to have you back again. <laughs> of course. And people out there listening, thank you for listening. Um, and we'll catch you again on the murder board. I want to insert like a, a, a loud gremlin sound right here. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's <laughs> that's gonna scare the shit out of me. Like, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it'll just scare people. <laughs>